1: the wake up with Michelle Michelle be pleased to hear the best-selling authors and experts in the fields of cutting-edge self-help personal growth metaphysics and spirituality the soul path of awakening understand what living awake is I had myself muted (laughs) hey everyone welcome welcome to awakenings with Michelle Michelle it's great to have you here Uh, Those of you that are new, welcome. I hope you uh, feel comfortable, feel at home, and um, that you will um, decide to subscribe. Uh, Speaking of that, subscribing, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Those of you that have subscribed to Soul Insights and Tarot, uh, my YouTube channel, and also Awakenings with Michelle Mache podcast on YouTube. I really appreciate it. And also want to thank those of you that have left um, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, You know, and I hear a lot of creators say this, and I so get it, if you don't like something about the podcast or want something, just email me awakeningspodcast at gmail.com instead of leave now I'm not saying anybody's left nasty reviews some people have said oh back a few years ago oh I, I hear Michelle making tea in the background and or this sound but that is the podcast that is blog talk radio that is the, the quality is how it is and I want it to be like a hangout I'm getting my tea when I had Yoshi my dog that I'd love so much. Um, she's on the other side now, though. Sometimes she would bark. I would have to, when she was transitioning, when I was, she was convalescing for a, almost a year and a half, I, I would need to take care of her and do whatever. I liked that. I mean, that was one of the things I did like about the pandemic was that whether it's podcasts or newscasts, or re, you know, regular TV shows even, had to have Zoom with the dog walking in and out, Uh, people didn't dress up as much. But I like that style. I have never liked the overproduced style, even in my music, Um, although I can appreciate it. And I know people, I have a lot of DJ and musician friends, and they're fanatical about sound, you know, the, the adjusting the sound, the type of speaker, you know, the type of wires you use. I mean, I get it. That's a thing. But that's not my thing. So anyway, I just – because I really want to expand. You know, I've been doing this podcast for quite a long time. And I don't ask for much or anything really in return. But, And I know it's usually people that don't, um, you know, aren't regulars or whatever. But it just I don't know, it's just it's so interesting to me about people that are really creative. People that are really creative tend to want to support and inspire, you know, and and have less kind of I don't know, I guess they're less trolly, I guess I would say. So I would say if you feel like if you are a troll or, or on the trolley side, <laughs> tap into your creativity. You know. It takes a, a lot to do things, uh, you know, in this world, and a lot of us are balancing a lot of things, you know. So anyway, I'm always really appreciative. I guess because I always see behind the scenes, the life that I've I've living and have lived in my past, I've been exposed to a lot of types of people, a lot of different kinds of situations. And it always amazes me how much more goes into something than what people ever would imagine. And even something that looks so simple, it's like, oh, my God, that it, whether it's learning or schooling or the knack or somebody is balancing or managing so many things, you know, in the background, or they're sick, they're dealing with, you know, some kind of chronic illness or something, or recuperating or their their you know their marriage is crumbling you know or they're in a highly abusive relationship and they just have to show up. So we really never know what it takes for someone to do what they're doing and what their process is. I always like to think about that, you know, when people show up, even when I get critical of people. Now, I'm not really the type um, except on this podcast, because I do <laughs> to call people out unless I see things going down like a, a direction that is unhealthy, you know, or, or harming people. If I see something within my related field, then that's part of what I do. That's I mean, as a commentator in that aspect, I will say, which leads me into our topic today. Uh, and I'll, I'll be getting to that, then I will speak up but if someone is trying to do something uh self expressive or creative i always just think okay just let them try and and find the good in what they're doing and and focus on that unless you want to have a one-on-one conversation because the best way to get something better is, is, that, is that text or that email or that one-on-one conversation of have you tried this or have you tried that or what about this. The trolling really doesn't work. Most creators, yeah, dense your ego for a bit and then you just move on because it isn't really done in the spirit of, hey, I really want to help you, you know, or I like what you do and I want to help you make it better, you know. Um, or if you the trolley ones, what are you doing? How about you offering to help? Or what are you doing to help humanity or the world or yourself? That's what I would say. Uh, anyway, gang, I, I digress, but I've, I've just watched, been watching some YouTube videos, and I've just heard some uh, creators, there's a reason it's called content creation, and I've heard some of the creators say, uh, you know, and it does help. It's like getting those subscriptions, people subscribing or liking—all those things help. Obviously, the algorithm, but they help keep the inspiration going. You know, and I get it. If people are in dead-end jobs or they feel their life isn't going anywhere, you could be a bit snarky, and and you know, maybe instead of looking at yourself, people want to, you know, burst somebody else's bubble. You know, pop their balloon, so to speak. But it's just interesting. I've been watching some videos, and and the creators are saying the same. And I'm like, gosh, it really is a thing. Um, you know, some have even said, you know, just uh, leave five stars or don't don't review at all. You know, because they're trying to do something in the world. And I know, here's the deal. The bottom line is, and this is, I think, what happened also when we look at the what happened in 2020, right? When people don't feel empowered in their life, they look to take other people down. That's their little level of power. Like that's what the cancel culture is all about. It's usually people that feel very insecure or they feel, you know, life has done them wrong or they're not recognized enough. And it's really from a victim mentality to try to take someone down or, you know, deflate them is really coming from that victim mentality. Anyway, we're going to be seeing a lot more of that because I feel like people with the soul energy coming through and moving more individually and as a collective into soul alignment, we get these lower level or lower octaves of soul expression, right? And you've heard me talk about it on the podcast. Everything has you know a low octave mid and high you know and, and and it's all contrast it's all needed just like in music we need some distortion or dissonance dissonance creates change it's just how much i mean we're never going to get a hundred percent resonance or harmonization in anything uh because to persist in life there has to be some dissonance otherwise it it's it's as is as it goes it's subsumed back into the the universe Um, And you can do this, you can test this out by getting a metronome. I used to teach show this in my um, meditation courses I would teach uh, at Agape Spiritual Center. Uh, It was shown to me a long time ago, so I wasn't like the brainy one that figured it out. But I I think like in the mid-90s, one of my teachers, I saw it somewhere. So if you take a metronome and you turn it on, it has to be the stick one. I don't know if it works digitally. And if you clap... So in other words, if something has 100% harmonization or 100% resonance, that means it's totally duplicated. It will disappear, or you won't hear, it'll just, right? So you take the metronome, you turn it on, and it's, it's my metronome sound, can you hear it? And you clap, and if you clap at the exact same time that the metronome clicks, you will hear no sound. It's pretty trippy. Pretty trippy gang. Pretty trippy. Um anyway, let's see what's in the chat. Oh, and by the way, uh, if you want to listen by phone, three four seven five three nine five one two two is the phone number. Three four seven five three nine five one two two. And if you have a question or a comment or you want a reading, please press one. Um Let's see. Yeah, and then we will be getting to questions and readings and all of that. Um, I just want to touch on something because I've had a lot of questions about this. I I have on and off from the year over the years, but lately I've been. People have been talking to me a lot, whether they're, you know, my personal private clients, uh, workshop, a Patreon. uh, A couple people have left comments. On my soul insights and tarot i'm trying to move out of fear i'm not manifesting because of fear and i really want to clear up a misnomer because i know a lot of people right now are going into high gear with manifesting and which just simply comes from the french word manifest to make appear right to make visible what it is you dream of or you want a lot of people are reinventing themselves or life, recreating, however you, you know, have a bigger vision, however you want to put it. And that is really the call right now in the universe is for this recreation at a new level, at a more soul-connected level. And a lot of people bump up into the idea of worry thoughts and fear. And I can tell you as a therapist and as a hypnotherapist, a counselor and a hypnotherapist, uh, as a metaphysician, an esotericist, a cultist, a spiritualist. I mean, I have a lot of training. Your fleeting thoughts, because there's thoughts that go around all the time, I mean, they can be debilitating. Chronic, divisive or negative thoughts can affect your health. Chronic, that's the key, chronic. Chronic mental emotional states not the fleeting or a depression here and there you get down or you get depressed it's totally natural same as fear fear is a natural you know human state of being uh, not even human just human animal it's, it's it's really um it's also a way of navigating it's a way of interpreting and so it's a protection now what i and i've said this before but i really want to kind of you know, round back into this so that people are not wasting their time trying to not think whatever thoughts they're thinking and also not to get into, you know, worrying about fear that you're not going to manifest what you want or you're going to manifest some negative experience, um, you know, because you have you have fear, you know, or for some people, a lot of people, fear of poverty or fear of not having enough. And I've seen this also a lot with readers on YouTube, and that's another reason it's coming up for me, because I'm like, oh, God, that's not the reason. You know, those of you that are tarot readers, it's like getting the eight of swords, and people say, oh, you're restricting yourself. But no, eight of swords can sometimes be you're in a restrictive situation. Sometimes you are in a restrictive situation, and it's no, quote, unquote, fault of your own. It's life circumstances. It's what's happening in life because what it does is it, it skews life the interpretation that if everything is going as you want it and you're riding a high then you're higher vibrational you're high vibe you're you're the you know you're the ish you know you're you're the you're the man you're the woman you're the boss you have it all down you're doing the the the, the spiritual thing or the successful thing and on this earth plane not only, we live its contrast there's highs and lows that you're going to have times that are challenging or difficult you're going to have tragedy there is going to be death folks there things are going to die people are going to die something's going to end and something's going to begin so that skewed thinking actually keeps you from using the natural cycles whether you want to call it you know seasons you know your biorhythms of when you're up, when you're down, when is the best time for you to do your work, and that could change over time. I know for me, I'm finding if I am not getting things done earlier in the day, it's not happening. And I used to be a major night owl, and maybe I will again. You know, um, I can be a night owl, but I'm not wanting to work. So you have to kind of... Find your own narrative. what's your own story of how things you know unfold? So I would say, yeah, heal the fear, you know, because we're always we're always manifesting. it doesn't matter. We're always creating, we're always reproducing, we're always regenerating. The level you want to experience from within your situation or circumstance is up to you. But that, it doesn't mean that if you have fears of lack or not enough that you are not going to then manifest. That is such a – and I've I got to tell you, some of you already know this. I was a model, a very successful model, actress. I've had a couple of consulting um, – I had a, a business. I have been around extremely, extremely successful people whether multimillionaire, billionaires, aristocrats, a lot of them have a lot of fear. And that is what actually got them in gear, you know, manifesting, a fear of not having enough or not having enough from their kids or I don't want to live like my parents or grandparents. You know, some people I knew, you know, their parents and grandparents were, you know, in Auschwitz, you know, they, and, they, and they came up from the streets. It was that fear of not having enough. Now, I'm not saying generate fear, but what I want to share with you is trying to get rid of fear is a trap, and it will just keep you in self-perpetuating you know, per- perpetuating doubt and self-criticism. And that's what's going to eat up your energy. You know that book years ago, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway? That really, I mean, it sounds like a stupid little book or cliche, but it's true. It's like stage fright. I've worked with, as a hypnotherapist, I've worked with a lot of actors, and I mean A-list actors, celebrities that you know, household names. And they would tell me how they had stage fright or, the, oh, I'm doing a these film, that film, and now I'm doing, you know, a play on Broadway. I'm so excited, but I'm so terrified. I'm so fearful. Or I would hear how they have fear, and I'm like, you have fear? Oh, yeah, I have stage fright every time I go throw up. Or every time I get a script and start a movie, you know, I get in, I get intense fear, you know, and I, I throw up for a few days. And I'm like, well, what do you do? And they go, oh, just you no, know, I throw up. I I know it's going to happen, and then I just do it. So really, I don't know if it's to keep the little people down, so to speak. But this whole idea that you're not going to manifest because you have a few fear thoughts or doubts, or you're, or you, or you feel like you don't have enough. Yes, tricks of. Be in abundance. Have gratitude for the situation that you're at. All of that is really helping that mental emotional state, which is, yes, bumping up your juice, your vibration. But again, if you understand that you're manifesting no matter what. So whatever the reason is, um, you know, I, I'm just even thinking of some of the very high profile people I, I worked with and and. Some of them were extremely, what's the word, suspicious. They were very, um, didn't trust a lot, which is a form of fear. And they would put, you know, surveillance team on people, friends, business associates, girlfriends. Oh, I think they just want me for the, my money or they're cheating on me. You know, so I, I'm just telling you guys, just to get out of that, that rabbit hole um, this is one of the reasons I have my transforming fear into creativity. You can get it on my website, or you know, or iTunes, or because you what you do with the fear is you begin to transform it, and that's what I have seen by people that are very high achieving. Is they don't try to get rid of the fear; they use that energy. Same with the stage fright. Same with the uh, I remember years ago knowing um and sometimes i don't name names because i don't want to call people out that i've known privately but a very successful skateboarder who had a really bad injury and i'm like i would have been just done and i don't even remember what the the skateboarding um, trick was but he's like no i'm terrified to get back up but i just got to do it i know if i wait too long i won't be able to do it so I think when we start shifting like, okay, I'm going to have this fear. It's, it's human. It's natural. Maybe I have a lot of it right now. Maybe I do see lack more than I do in my abundance in my situation. I'm feeling that lack. Then what does that motivate you to do? Use it as an inspiration or a motivation. You can also get my Transforming Fear into Creativity. Go to soulplayground.life. I think it's in the Soul Path Tools or soul path support. Um, but starting, I would suggest just start changing that dialogue about what fear means to you and how are you getting caught up in trying to change the fear or a negative thought because you can outcreate it. If you just let those, whatever it is, and that's the, that's the premise of tapping. You know, there's a part in tapping even though, you know, even like even though I have this fear, I am moving forward even though. So, trying to fix something that is a natural human state and trying to control it is actually going to that's what's going to diminish your energy. That's what's going to make your juice less. You know, your your soul juice, so to speak, your your spiritual energy, your spiritual juice, your life force animating energy. That's what's going to deplete you rather than using that to motivate, you know. And I share this because there's so much misinformation about you won't attain such and such because you have fear or you're living in fear. And that's just not true. I mean, for most of the population, fear has been a great motivator. Am I suggesting that it be yours? No. But what I am suggesting is that you don't try to fight it because how has that worked? It's probably not worked well for you. And like I said, I have definitely not only seen but experienced and been around a lot of people that are very fearful, you know, very mean. Some of them mean, too. They're not very conscious or awake or aware and they're living, you know, as my one of my teachers would say, metaphysical teachers, rage the life O'Reilly. They're 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 living quote unquote the life. Now, is it the quality you want? Maybe not. You know, maybe the, maybe their emotional attitude you don't want that. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about not getting into overly being self critical and self judgmental because you have some kind of fear or you have a perception about your circumstances, I would say leave the perception and focus on what it is you want. Leave the perception. The perception is just going to be, unless you keep animating it, if you keep animating it, then that's where your energy is going. That's where your attention is going. And then that's where your energy is flowing. And that's why I'm suggesting overly focusing on your fears um, put your energy there. Now, if it's debilitating, that's something different. I guess I work with quite a few people that have um, debilitating fears or phobias, which is a bit different than, a, you know, a fear of not having enough um, as a hypnotherapist and, and a medical hypnotherapist working with, you know, anxiety reaction. but what, And what not only hypnotherapists and holistic health counselors or practitioners will tell you, but also psychologists, um, is that what perpetuates the anxiety reaction or the panic attack is the fear of it and, the, and, 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 and not just allowing it. Do you see what I'm saying? It's the trying to stop the panic attack or anxiety reactions. To, it's the trying to stop it and control it or make it not happen is what actually contributes it to it happening more consistently, more frequently, and in a more, you know, intense, let's say, way. So, again, it goes back to where, you know, how, what, where are we putting our attention and, wh- and what's the judgment about it? So there are ways to, like, release anxiety and make those symptoms less, Uh, reoccurring and less intense so there's ways to alleviate and then finally ameliorate them Um, but one of them a very important one is not to try to control it to let it go through its cycle and we could look at that as the little self that has more fear is how can we let it cycle through its fears and move it into some kind of positive or life-affirming is even a better phrase life-affirming transmutation of that energy and that's what i teach in transforming fear into creativity that process um, that inner work um, is how do we use that energy how do we transmute that energy just like anger there's nothing wrong with anger we don't chronically it can be very debilitating but if you have anger, how can you channel it? If you have fear, how can you channel it? Do you see how much lighter that is instead of judging? Oh, God, I can't believe I have fear or I'm in lack, but I really have abundance, but I, but I really feel the fear. Because your subconscious mind, is that's what's going to it's going to respond to what your actual state of being is. So if you are in a state of fear, it's better to, to work through that, align that, Align yourself to what you're feeling and going through, and then begin to channel that energy. So that's my little sharing for today. Answering some questions that people had about they're not getting ahead because they're in fear. No, that's not the reason your your goals are not happening or your dreams. Now, there's many reasons. I could get into do a whole podcast on that. You know, is it really aligned to your soul? For one. You know, is there something just off a little bit? Is it the cycle you're in? That's why I read, as I read as a a psychic, I like to look at cycles. Um, You know, you can look at it through numerology. You can look at it in your astrology. Um, You can look at the, the psychic cycle that you're in. What are you coming out of? And I feel this is going to be very, very, very important in the in this new paradigm is to understand cycles because when you understand cycles you understand energy you understand the currency of life you understand the current all right and what's another word for currency money it's all the same folks it's all the same so when you start understanding the energetics of yourself and situations you know, the external world, you know, organizations, governments, life itself. When you start understanding the energetics, then you're understanding the currency and where is the current going. And you also begin to understand with that that we're all floating in this together. So if there's a lot of fear on the planet, some of that fear is going to be process through you not only your individual fears but just collective fears can come through right because we're all interconnected you know we're in this if you want to call it zeitgeist or morphogenic fields or resonant fields we're picking up we're all these you know transmitters broadcasters transponders transmitting you know and picking up the signal putting out the signal but what do you do if you don't want that signal if you have a different signal going on, you can change the channel. You can get on a different, you can just redirect your energy. Not bypassing. If it's your fear, be, be with it. You know, deal with it. Connect in with it. Tra- you know, transmute it. Use it. But if it's someone else's fear, you don't have to take it on. You could just let it float right through the mind, float right out let it float on through all right let's get to callers three four seven five three nine five one two two press one on the keypad hey jay listening by radio but wanted to be in the chat to say hi yeah thanks hi happy wednesday yeah tasha blue what are you talking about fighting what is that's true oh my god not to fight what is exactly Exactly. And I'm telling you, I think sometimes, you know, misinformation gets out to kind of put people in, you know, sometimes in a different, wrong direction. Yeah, you don't want to fight what is. You want to, it's just like swimming in a riptide. You go with the riptide. You go with it. And as you go with it, there's always, there's a there's a little pause there that then you can swim Swim away from it. And then you go with it and you swim away. You go with it and you swim away. That brings you to shore. If you fight the current, what happens? You go further out to sea. So, yeah, Tasha, good point. Okay, uh, press 1 on your keypad if you have a question or a comment. Let's see. We've got Tasha and the... Question, could you feel into the energy of a dinner I could attend? Good to go, or should I skip for a more, for a more aligned time? Would it be better energy to go to a friendly get-together? And st- oh, that's interesting. Oh, Tasha, I said to pick, take the path of least resistance in your pick-a-card. What pick-a-card? Okay, I didn't know that. Well, there we go. Well, right now I think we're learning this. Um, See, the ego part of this fears that. It's like, oh, no, if I go with it, what's happening, then I'm saying that I'm okay with this and I'm going with this and what I really want is never going to happen. No, that's not true. You are that. You know, they know this in martial arts. You go with the energy. Like if somebody is punching a lot, you don't start punching a lot. You use that energy. You know that person that's pu- flailing and, you know, punching a lot in the air, you go with that energy, you let them keep punching. You don't do it because they'll either tire out or in their frenetic energy, you'll see an energetic opening, a spot. Um, so it's fascinating when you get kind of study martial arts, the the background um, of it. Um, I took martial arts years ago, so... Uh, I, I, so and I got there's a whole philosophy to it, uh, but yes, using the energy, how to u- transform or transmute, the, transmute rather, the energy transmutation transforms what's happening. How to grab hold of the energy. In other words, just think of someone throwing. It's like a boomerang. It throws and it comes back. Think of someone. I'm thinking of like a video game or something or like a sci-fi. Someone's throwing this fire arrow. And you could be so aligned to that arrow that you let it come to you. You'd let it come to you, and then you put your hands up like a force field. And now the arrow turns around. It's however you want to describe it. It's what, what is the energetics in your situation? How can you align to it, and then use it? How can you use that energy? In other words, if you're really down, how can you go even deeper? To connect in with yourself, whatever the process is, is it to love yourself more, is it to heal is it to rest? it's just like when we rest, a lot of times we resist it. I just got over being sick, you guys, for like three days or two days, really like I was feeling not well, and then I had last night the chills, and I thought, oh good, I'm healing. It must have been a stomach bug because I felt like funny in my um my tummy it was really. So I did my little tinctures and concoctions of wormwood and olive, and just different things that I do. Diatomaceous earth. I did my own little, uh, you know, detox, little cleanse, little nurturing and tonic, and had some really good um, vegan Thai food from the vegan Thai place by my house. Extra spicy to move things through, nice and warm and healing, and with this red rice. And, um, and then just last night the f- chills came on. I thought, okay, we're healing now. And did the ice pack on the head and lots of blankets. Um, and I woke up, oh my God, on fire. Like, oh my God, da-da-da-da, da-da-da. I mean, just so much energy and so many clear ideas of some things that I'm doing project-wise. So sometimes the deep dive is, is really healing, is really helpful. You know, so Tasha, you're right. The path of least resistance. How can you connect into that? And it doesn't mean you're agreeing to whatever it is or you want to stay there. It's just you're going to utilize the energy instead of fight it. You're going to find the way to tap into that energy. And once you're in that energetic current, then you can start bending it and moving. You know, you can start using the energy. Um, oh, it was two weeks ago. Okay, the pick a card. Well, very cool. Okay, Tasha, I'm not understanding your question. I would say do what you feel most aligned to. It sounds like you want to redo the um, the get together. It sounds like you want to redo the get together. Oh Jay, I love these weekly pick of cards. I had a pick on Monday, and then I was going to listen again today, and the card pick changed. Ah, it was perfect for me, healing turquoise, which I totally needed because I'm fighting a cold that wants to come in. Hey Jay, well I just had my little my little cycle. Oh, by the way, those of you that um, the pick a card for October, I, I'm doing okay. I'm gonna do. At least the monthlies, the ones in the October, the ones for the, the month, I am doing one for YouTube, and then I'm doing an extended on Patreon so that people, because I I'd like to do a deep dive. I may do one other one that has an, ex, one other pick a card that has an extended, but for now I'm, I'm, I have the time. So the October one, it's all edited. I just have to put the timestamps in. It's already up, uploaded. Um, it's late because I didn't want to overly push. I was getting sick, sickish, low energy, and I felt something coming on, and it did come on, but it didn't get as bad as it could have been because I went with the energy of my body. Even though I had so many things I needed to do, I needed to get stuff for this workshop I'm doing at the end of the month, Every and, there was, and everybody was waiting for my content, my, my people I work with. Are you sending that? When are you sending that? We need to, we're going to do the mailing. Do you want me to do it now? And I just went, if I don't, if I push, it's going to be worse. I'm going to just go with this energy. And... Um, I always do love a good fever, though. When you have a good fever, and I don't get them all, all the time, but a good fever <laughs> cleans it really cleans out things. And years ago, when I, I hardly ever got sick, um, and I don't necessarily get sick that much, but I remember going to my holistic doctor, Gruen holistic health doctor, and I had started getting sick a little bit, and He's a medical doctor, but he's also holistically trained, and he does, um, I think he does homeopathics also, but he's into longevity and whatever. He's, he's pretty amazing. But anyway, he said, no, your body getting sick every now and then is actually good. It's actually a cleansing. It's actually clearing things out for you. So um, to get you know, sick once in a while is actually healthy. Um, okay, callers. I'm going to get to you, but now that you disappeared, three four seven five three nine five one two two. Press one on the keypad. Oh, Tasha in the chat, Tasha Blue. I would make it easy for you, is what I'm getting. I feel like you need. Let me go back up. I don't know what the question is. Could you? Um, I would skip for a more aligned time. Get together instead. Yeah, I, I think you... Get your energy up. The fact that you're asking this question is kind of um, telling me you're not ready for it. So there's nothing wrong with being more prepared or ready for something, more aligned to it. Does that make sense, Tasha? Tash Blue? Okay, thank you. Yeah. There's sometimes... Um, Oh, yeah, is it feed a fever, starve a cold? I had a swell fever, then went away, my sore throat to my head. Uh, oh, my God, Jay, I started having the sore throat, but then I did old-school chloroseptic and rested, and then I did lemon. Lemon with some, um, well, I'm doing right now, what am I doing, yerba mate with um, a little honey. I did lemon, I think, with a little bit of maple syrup, but then the thing went into the, the stomach, Feed a cold. I think it's feed a cold, starve a fever. I don't know. Feed a cold, starve a fever. Starve a cold, feed a fever. I don't know. Somebody Google. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, I remember I didn't have. I I I was really hungry. Had my um, uh, Thai my Penang uh, curry. I had the leftover of that, but I wasn't that. I, I was really hungry. I ate a little and then was like satisfied. I wasn't hungry at all. And I was like. Uh, going to lose a couple pounds in this scenario too that's good so i don't know I i don't know i wasn't hungry i don't know when you get sick you're not as hungry right who knows i think doesn't it go from maybe the cold to the flu you know there's different stages as it cycles through oh yes jay in the chat tea with lemon yeah and honey yeah, or what I do is I take honey. Usually in the morning I I start anyway when I first wake up, um usually a little water or or um, lemon and water. And I find if you I'm feeling a little sickish or something or sore throat, I will do uh hot water with lemon, like a lemonade, and then I'll either do a little bit of honey or a little bit of maple syrup. If I sweeten Now, that's if I have a throat thing, I'll sweeten to coat it. If I don't have a throat thing, like if if it's just getting up on a regular day for me and I do the lemon in hot water, I do not put, I usually do not. I can't say never. Sometimes I will put honey or maple syrup. Kind of like the Master Cleanse. I used to do that a lot. But I find I, I like lemon in water, so a lot of times I don't put, I don't sweeten it. Let's see. Oh, yeah, Tosh Blue fasting is great. I used to fast a lot. I do a little bit, like maybe once a week. Uh, I haven't done it in a while, but I was in a flow for a while where Mondays I would fast. And I definitely do that, what they call intermediate fasting now. I just learned about that years ago from Harvey and Marilyn Diamond in um, Fit for Life uh, because I used to um, food combine. And then years ago, I was, I think, a vegan, and then I was vegetarian. I think I was vegan for seven years and vegetarian for like 20. Um, So, yeah, it's – and I used to – I think the longest I fasted was 40 days or 45 days. Um, And, you know, it just depends on body type, too. I can – I'm like a camel. I can fast. I was able to work out. I was able to just – You know, after a while, after like the third or fourth day, you really start feeling good. You don't want food. And after about a week or two, you really don't want to have food. I mean, it was like, because you get very high. So I would be like, oh, I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat. Now, mind you, I would do juice, juice fasting. Uh, Water, uh, because I feel you do need the nutrients. I feel just straight water is, you know, I don't know. People have different thoughts about that. Um, But I would either do juice and dilute things um, or juice with water or just raw, you know, raw vegetables, um, the juicing. But yeah, Tosh, juicing is amazing or fasting or just doing a fast to cleanse, you know. And think about it, breakfast, we're really not to have a huge breakfast, unless you're hungry, obviously, which, uh, but that break fast, you know, it's, We have this fast from the evening before till the morning and so breakfast or break fast um, you know in some countries they just have some fruit or juice or whatever so you kind of want to take it slow all right three four seven five three nine five one two two is the number press one on your keypad Tosh, let me see how that resonates, what I shared with you. I think just trust your intuition, trust your feelings or what you're up to right now, what you feel ready for. Maybe you need fortification. All right, let's get to a caller here. Hi, you're on air.
2: Hi, how are you? Good. Hi, my my name is Maria. I call her from my career.
1: Hi, Maria. Welcome. Yes. (laughs)
2: <laughs> <Hi>.
1: Oh good.
2: Oh, so the weather by you oh yeah today is very warm. Oh very
1: warm? Oh yeah, but you had a lot of rain, right? Didn't you have a lot of rain?
2: Yeah, I got a lot of rain was in New York. I I live in New York State then was it that much water. My in New York was a cry was really really bad, bad, bad. I
1: put it was bad.
2: You a much water the train stuff, even need to people who die that said, the know. oh, Water inside the house and the uh, queens uh, Brooklyn, uh, the people who go confused, go crazy,
1: oh gosh, okay yeah. uh. Uh. How are you doing okay though with it you were okay
2: i we do not came i still in my house I remember with the roof still and nothing still the way mm-hmm. I am the way it was
1: the way i am did you t- did you have your daughter t- call the you know get an attorney to get to have them write a letter yeah,
2: yeah we oh. call it we call it the lawyer if your lawyer said you know you know when they get it they and they think you know they find a the lawyer, they're gonna get it they, they the father, and you know, they're going to see. And yeah, I got need just independent adjusted to to look at Because they don't do the roof work okay when they go in Italy.
1: You know? Mm. You got to get this uh, fixed first, right? Sure. I
2: can leave it out Yeah, I got it mess in my house. Right. Yeah. You see me still? I'm going to go. I got a message from the angel. You see, I'm going to go in Italy. What, what, what are you telling me? I'm more confused. I have no idea.
1: Mm. When are you going to go? Well, I feel you first have to um, fix the um, your house, yes. right? You're going to work with the, the attorney to get that done. Are you going to have your daughter go with you? Yes. Okay. Good. Good. So
2: when Why? do you want to go? When do you want to go? I, I want to go soon to the roof and get the suitcase ready. I wasn't supposed to go September. I can't even really make a ticket. Maybe I, I want to go at the end of this month and the beginning of the month. I, I don't know. What do you think? Are you you want to go at the end of this month? On
1: the end of this month
2: and the beginning of the month. What do you think?
1: Oh, let me see. The best time for Maria to go the end of this month, beginning and next? Right. Oh, I've, okay, let's see. Next month. Let's see, to go in, I think, next month. You're thinking this month well, you
2: thinking next month
1: Well, it's shift? up to you. It's up to you, but it, it shows that that's a better month. You have family there, too, right, or friends?
2: yeah yeah yes. yeah 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 I got a family over there I got a relative of course and yeah family.
1: okay, okay yeah, so uh, no, is, is your daughter gonna go with you yeah, I want to live there for a month what do you think oh, nice, yeah, why not? It's up to you, yes, why not? I think that sounds great. Yeah, me too. I'd say i like to stay there, you know. So come and see me. I oh, to buy.
3: I'd love to.
1: Well, I plan a trip next year, so.
2: And next year, I'm going to buy. I was looking about to buy a little house over there. They got a beautiful, beautiful home. So I buy the house and
1: next year, come and live by me. Oh, and your daughter is going to be there, right? With yes, you? Yes, oh, I'm so ha- that's great. Wow I'm, I'm happy for you. Nice
2: say over there. Nice Italian men.
1: Yes, nice. <laughs> Send one for me, Maria. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: Yeah, coming over. Over
1: there you got so many men. <laughs> yeah. Oh Oh god. Are there a lot? Oh gosh. More than where I'm at, I think yeah well, I think so, this is good, and you can still you know we have people that listen to the podcast um in Europe, so you can still listen and call in
2: yeah yeah of course so uh, I'm listening I can call it over there too,
1: yeah, you can yeah,
2: yeah, I got different I can call you. why not yeah,
1: yeah. Good. So your daughter. I just want to make sure. So she's she's going to. Um, uh, what do you call it? She's she's going to uh, call the attorney, or you did already?
2: Yeah, they did already.
1: Okay. Oh, good. Oh, good.
2: She's going to send the papa,
1: You think I'm going to win for the panel? I think the attorney is going to be helpful. I think that that's you need the attorney.
3: Yeah,
1: I appreciate yeah. Eric.
2: <coughs> the the, lawyer, the name is Eric. The name
1: Eric. Okay, let's see. See Maria's attorney, Eric. Oh, I like him. He's a good. Yeah, I like him. How did you fi- How did you find him? To the computer,
2: my daughter find. Okay. Day, my daughter talked to him and send him Is all of the
1: daughter liked papers.
2: him? Yeah. Send him all of the papers. Okay.
1: Mm, okay. Well, let's you see. have to let us know how it goes, how yeah, everything goes. You. Please. And um, good luck with this. I really hope you get this taken care Well, I know you're going to get it taken care of. Yeah, I know, I know
2: you're gonna get get I it taken take care Thank of. Thank you. It uh, just takes time. Always. I got a an yes. that I can go. I hope I can do this a month. I can go in the beginning next month.
1: Yeah, you know. Well, I like that you're gonna go. You and your daughter are gonna go to, to yes. Italy. I like that. I think that's good. I think that's gonna be good for you guys. Yeah, yeah. We are so much depressed.
2: So much confused. So much. Uh,
0: you, you don't know
2: what to do the other day, come in, we alone. you don't know what to do. You know what you mean? You go crazy. You see, that was yeah. the whole mess. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very, 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 very much. I love you. God bless you. I love, love, you love you, too, Maria.
1: God, God bless. Big hug. Thank you. Bye. Thank
2: you. Me, too. We're going to hear chat. Okay. Bye-bye. bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: All right, callers. Cute little Maria. Yeah, Jay, she's Maria. Wonderful being. Jackie says in the chat, I love her. Yeah, Jay says, cute little Maria. Oh, Nice call. Okay, if you have questions or comments, please either put them in the chat or you can call in, 347-539-5122. Uh, it's time now for our Awakening Dialogue. We have with us August Turek. Um, I hope I'm getting that name right. Uh, founder of Self-Knowledge Symposium Foundation. Um, author of I think, recent, but not less than everything, One Man's Quest for Spiritual Enlightenment, and also Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, which I, I'm dying to know that. Listen, monks, Priests, nuns, they get it going in the entrepreneur sector. Hi, August.
0: Welcome. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me on. Oh,
1: yes. Yeah, great to connect with you. Um, I failed to mention, I want to let people know, well, I want you to share a little bit about your path. I, I kind of, when I was looking at your info, I'm like, oh, this is the archetype of the the, the Buddha quest. You know, the Buddha was the in the uh, temporal world, right, of, of and then went more for the, the spiritual. Um, so that kind of, a, you know, the hero's journey with the archetype of the Buddhic journey. Because um, you work at MTV and then you founded two software business companies. I find that fascinating how you are went from there to living and working with the Trappist monks. Um, so in saying that, I'd love to know a little bit about your background. I'll kind of let you take the lead on that. A little bit about your background, what you were doing, and then your kind of awakening or epiphany of either wanting something more or something different, that, that crossroads that you took, that that turning point that happened for you to where you are now
0: Certainly I mean to me what is interesting is what people so often get wrong around because I've had a very <clears throat> quote unquote illustrious business career um I've sold to several companies and and as you said I was one of the I, just, I didn't just work for MTV I was one of the founders of MTV Um Oh were you
1: Oh my god yeah, so okay I- I, Very cool. I was
0: there, and I, I started with the company on January fifth, nineteen eighty one, and we launched MTV on August first, nineteen eighty one. So, um, but most people misidentified me as a businessman or something, or an entrepreneur, or even a writer who happened to have some kind of epiphany that got me into spirituality or something like that. Wrong. I was a spiritual person that happened to be in business. Uh, my mm. first priority in my life always was my spiritual life. And um, I had my epiphany when I was only 18, 19 years old. Um, And uh, I what was was uh, that? Do you mind sharing that? Well, what happened to me was that I was, yeah, what happened to me, first of all, I always talk about aspiration and desperation. You know, the greatest seekers are a combination of aspiration and desperation. The um, desperation part of me was I was just, you know, um, I was doing well in college and I uh, had a lot of friends and all that kind of stuff, and, and there was something missing in my life, just something profoundly, and it and, it, and it expressed itself in me in depression. Um, it was kind of that sense of, uh, Joseph Campbell, I think, talked about it. He said oftentimes when people get to their mid-20s or thirty or or definitely when they get to their midlife, is this all there is? Is this it? is this yeah. is this is this all the day yeah I've, I've had a have had a girlfriend i've been drunk i, I, I i've been in new york yep. city is is that it um mm-hmm. and um so i was stumbling through life with with that kind of an attitude uh where i was being disappointed i would go after things and i'd get them and i think yeah that was great but it wasn't what i'm looking for and then i stumbled mm-hmm. on a book while i was down at the beach in 1971 by alan watts talking about cosmic consciousness it was called this is it and it was a mm-hmm. i read it twice in one night and i said this is it this is um you know wow. and i got interested in mysticism and um and whether you know and as i said on the back cover of my new book not less than everything i said you know every uh religion has samadhi satori the unio mystico the cosmic consciousness the so every uh all the mystics of all the great religions talk about this Fundamental experience that makes the whole universe make sense and answers all you know. As my you know first Zen teachers that answers all your questions.
3: Mm-hmm. So I
0: became profoundly interested, and then I stumbled on, um, uh, 19, summer of nineteen seventy-two, this incredible, wild, wonderful West Virginia hillbilly Zen master um, mm. who was living in Benwood, West Virginia. His name was Richard Rose. And uh, mm-hmm. I was fascinated by this guy and terrified by this guy, and I started hanging around with him and actually started some a club on campus at the University of Pittsburgh called the Zen Study Society that he would chair the meetings, and then in the summer of seventy three he owned a farm in West Virginia. I was actually his first student, and uh, oh wow! By that time there was a, there was a number of people that were interested, and so we had this summer intensive. Which i write about by the way my new book not less than everything one man's quest for spiritual enlightenment i talk about all this all this stuff is in that it's my spiritual memoir um and um as i say in the introduction i was lucky enough in 2004 i won the templeton prize i won the hundred thousand dollar prize for the first thing i ever tried to write in my life was an essay answering the question what is the purpose of life and about four or five months later my brother chris who is an attorney said one of his colleagues, said, you mean your brother never read anything before in his life? And then he whips off an essay over the weekend. He goes up against 10,000 co- essays from 47 countries and he wins 100 grand? And my brother said, yeah, that's pretty much the story. And he said, boy, is your brother Augie lucky? And my brother Chris said, no, Augie's been working on that essay for 35 years. And in the introduction to Not Less Than Everything, I said, this is the story of those 35 years. So anyway, in the summer of 1973, I had a profound spiritual experience in Richard Rose's kitchen, which I described in my book, which was so profound that I drove back to Pittsburgh uh, at the end of the summer, broke up with my girlfriend, dropped out of college, um, moved out of the house I was living with with my college roommates and stuff, uh, became celibate, <laughs> I quit smoking, quit drinking, quit everything, and just decided to dedicate my life to finding this thing called enlightenment. So um, so this all happened to me in 1973, um, and so 1971 was when I read the book by, by Alan Watts that opened my eyes. I have to also say that I think taking LSD had something to do with it, too. I tried mm-hmm. LSD back in those days, and that was a revelation to me about the fact that what we take for reality is not really all that there is. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so my, I started off on this spiritual quest, you know, and I ended up with a truck and And a bunch of tools in the back of it, so I could install carpet. And living in the back of my truck and traveling from city to city, and going to bookstores and asking the owners who were the smartest people in town that can teach me something about life. And I mean, I was, I was, I was on a mission. You
1: were totally on the seeker (laughs) trail.
0: Yeah, yeah. The seeker path. That whole. Yeah. Right. You mentioned my book, um, "Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks." One Man's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity, which was published by Columbia Business School. It came out of an article, by the way, that I wrote for Forbes Magazine. But the um, and I used that whole motif of the hero's journey. That we're all learning well, to go on the hero's journey.
1: Yeah. When I was reading her stuff, I thought, boy, this you are in that archetype of the hero's journey. I feel with that Buddhist, the Buddha, you know the seeking the enlightenment right. and having these exper and then you know re- put uh, rejecting certain things to, for, on your path so that you can focus right. on that you know self learning and understanding uh awareness Absolute, and enlightenment absolutely
0: absolutely that was my 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 whole life and even when i went over into business you know then i still saw business as a a way, you know, if you want, in my, the essence of my path has always been self-knowledge, and that's why the, um, it's called the Self-Knowledge Symposium Foundation. Um, and, you know, and that's one of the essential things, especially the Eastern, um, philosophies of Buddhism and yoga and things like Zen and yoga. That if you know yourself, you'll know God too. As a matter of fact, the, uh, mm-hmm. Oracle um, Delphi, when you used to go to the Oracle of Delphi, um, there was a, supposedly an inscription there that said, "Know thyself,
1: know and the, thyself. you'll know
0: the gods, in the, and you'll know the gods in yeah. the heavens as well." So, yeah. well, you a lot of to paths yourself, too. You, if
1: they're really good uh, doctrines or disciplines or teachers, know thyself is is the first is the first part before you start studying. Absolutely, you know, right.
0: I, I started working with college students in the late '80s. And mentoring them on a volunteer basis, and we called it the self-knowledge symposium, because if you start with self-knowledge, you can transcend doctrinal differences. All yeah. religions agree with the, impo- the importance of self-knowledge. Yeah. But what made wow. us different? Was, what made us different is we move far beyond just simple introspection. Uh, introspection is important, but introspection is actually a very a relatively poor way of learning who you are. If you want to know who you are, as we say, as they say. Pressure doesn't just build character it reveals it as well. So when you, when you're an entrepreneur, like I was, and you're starting with a $2,500 initial investment and it's a garage startup and you finally start making little money, are you going to pay your employees? Are you going to pay yourself. And that's how you find out, you know, you can yeah. run around telling you know, there's that old saying, what is it? PJ or Rorke said, ethics, everybody's, your values. everybody's for sa- everybody's for saving the world. Nobody wants to help mom with the f- dishes
1: yeah
0: um and so you can talk the talk but are you going to walk the walk and when you get into business and the pressure comes down and now you have you know, are you going to take the shortcut are you going to pay yourself if you make a p- commitment for example to pay your your um your vendors net 30 so 30 days mm-hmm. you're supposed to pay them when the 30 days comes up and, and you can either pay them or you can pay yourself what do you do yeah, yeah. And that reveals to you, if you're honest with yourself, that reveals to you who you really are. Yeah.
1: Um, what do you, you think, know, though, too, Tarek, saying that is also, I mean, some, I, obviously some people have more integrity, integris, right? It's just that wholeness and mm-hmm. others. But what about the people, the reflections? Did, you, did that ever figure in? Because it sounds like you already, you have this, it's more of this naturally. Um, some people waver, you know. They're on the,
0: Oh my goodness! They're kind of on no, the. Don't talk to, don't, I, to, no, 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 no. All people waver. Yeah.
1: You know, okay. if you
0: read Siddhartha, which is the story of the Buddha, right?
1: I have read it. Um, yeah. Uh
0: huh. What if he, he? 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 gets seduced, and he ends up going with a girl, and he gets fat and happy, and he makes a lot of money, and you know. And I actually talk about it in my book that one of the times that it was one of the big reasons when I was at MTV I I mean I had an unlimited expense account I was uh, at an office that was the size of my house I was driving around in limousines I was flying around in helicopters I had you know I had frankly I could get any girl in New York City I wanted and I was miserable and I was trying to bury I was so sick to death of being a seeker years and years Mm. of plowing away of, of, of of, of of everybody that I met telling me I was nuts, of every single looking around, seeing other people get on with their lives, et cetera. No, we all waver. And fear is the number one obstacle to the spiritual path. Mm-hmm. And um, you you have to uh, learn how to turn into the fear rather than away from the fear.
1: Yeah, And that's oh, not I something
0: that comes... To, excuse me. Okay, go ahead. I
1: got to just tell you, August, all the time, this is God's orchestration always, always the guests, there's always a synchronistic connection to what I've talked about at the beginning of the podcast, and we we're talking a lot about fear and not trying to push it away, and I gave all these different examples, with different people I've worked with, so you touching upon that, t- turning into it, you know, um Right. Anyway, that's just interesting, yeah You know, there's a,
0: there's a, there's a, there's a concept in the, mostly in Christianity and We talk about the monks Let's talk about the monks for a second And when you, okay. you, go, when you become a, a monk You first start out as a postulant Usually you start out as an observer Then if you
1: decide mm-hmm. to
0: join Then you become a postulant Then you become a novice um, Then you take your simple vows And then you take your solemn vows And that whole process is called formation Where you're mm-hmm. formed you know, and and this is a character development. You have to de- develop a character. You have to, you know, Aristotle said we are what we repeatedly yeah. do. Ex- excellence is not a choice, it's a habit. So you develop a, a habit of spirituality until you can't really, yeah. you couldn't stop. When you get scared, you couldn't stop even if you wanted to. There's a point, there's twice in my book, Not Less Than Everything, where I talk about where I came across the two scariest crossroads of my whole spiritual path. And I said what, ca- what carried me through in both of those cases, instead of running away, uh, I, I went forward and, and, and they turned out to be tre- uh, tremendous decisions. Um, why did I do that? And I said, because I had become like a highly disciplined and highly trained soldier whose legs keep moving long after his heart and his head had given up. You know, there's a saying in, in in the military, and I've studied military history, that the vast majority of, of men get killed running away from uh, from the battle. The safest thing you can do is is go forward towards the bullets, not try to run away from them. But the natural instinct is to run away from them. So the so it's the training and the discipline, the formation. You know, in the hero's journey, that's the desert stage. That's the stage in yeah. all of these movies Dark where, Night of the, where Soul. the heroes. This is where the hero's got to go out there, and Yoda screams at him, "Don't try, do!" Or the crying yeah. kid guy, got <laughs> yeah. wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. Or Neo yeah. in the in the in the Matrix, Neo takes uh, you know, Morpheus takes Neo into that room and beats the living snot out of him for for a few days, and then has him dive off buildings and do face plants, and you know, and this is the formational process. This is the gritty, hard discipline kind of stuff that you have to do that's going to carry you through when the sol happens you know when things really hit yeah. the fan and they're going to hit the fan guarantee if you're on a true Always. spiritual life they're going to hit the fan and your choice is going to be to run away but there is you know you said it's something natural to me and there is something that that you know a story i like to tell is when i was like eight years old seven, maybe seven, eight years old, very young. And and I was fascinated by Christmas. So I decided I wanted to go Christmas caroling. I was really pot to trot to go Christmas Carol. Of course I didn't know how to Christmas Carol, but I went around the neighborhood and I got four or five boys in the neighborhood to say they'd go Christmas Carolyn with me. And then when it got dark I went around and they all chickened out. And so I was mm. all alone and I went home and I got my Christmas Carol book and then I looked around the house and the only flashlight I could find was a great big railroad lantern, and I know how young I was because I had to put it on my shoulder, that's how heavy it was, and I went Christmas caroling alone, and I walked up the middle of our street, it was a, a, a cul-de-sac, so there was no traffic, screaming at the top of my long, silent night, joy to the world, crying my heart out, miserable, mm. but I did it. And when I got back, my mother was waiting for me, and I was in my mother's arms. And when I looked back at that, I said, you know, why was I, you know, crying? And I said, first of all, why did I do it? Because even at seven years old, I realized that if I waited on other people, and I let fear, I was terrified. But if I let fear stop me, I would never truly live. Number two, I was crying because I really sensed, even at seven, that this meant that I was going to have to do a lot of things alone that people were going to mm-hmm. crap out on me um, mm-hmm. when the going got mm-hmm. tough, uh, there's going to be a lot of people who, you know, the people that I was counting on would probably crap out on me. So this, I think, is the biggest thing that's missing for most people's spiritual path. They don't go yeah. through the formation the formational process. They don't have the guru that screams, don't try, do, um, yeah. they don't, they don't have the Morpheus who kicks their butt, you know, and, and mm-hmm. then. Um, when the, when, as soon as it gets inconvenient or it gets hard or whatever, then they run away and so that's, that's that's very much a big part of, uh, of my, of not less than everything. My new book,
1: the book I wanted to mention
0: right now, not less than everything is, is available. Amazon's doing a special promotion of not less than everything for 99 cents for the electronic version. So you can get it oh, for great. On a So very just tell cuz
1: everything is going to be in the uh the podcast description box but just for the people a lot of people listening we just got some people in the chat that said they're just now tuning in so they might have Miss some of the beginning. Um, just give your the link, the website, any pertinent information for those that are.
3: Okay. A lot of people listen, so, but
1: they don't go to the description box. And then, anybody okay. in the chat, no. if you have any question, uh, you know, aligned to what we're talking about, you can put it in the uh, chat. You can also call in. I think somebody had a question. Said it, he may have already covered it, but you can just write it in the chat, and I will. Um, yeah.
0: So anyway, ask, my yeah. website is. August Turek. It's August like the month. He is in Tom, U R A K. dot com. And if you go there, you know to August dot com. Again, it's August like the month. Turek. T U R A K. One word. dot com. You'll see that you have an. There's a click there that you can click right to Amazon to get the ninety nine cent electronic version of Not Less Than Everything, and then you can also buy the physical copy. It just came out; it's not even been out a week yet, but it's you can get it for fifty percent off. We're offering it for fifty percent of what Amazon's charging for it right now, so you can get both of those um those books right there. And um and, and actually, you know, on my website, you can read more about my other two books, which is Brother John, a Monk, a Pilgrim, and the Purpose of Life, and the other one is Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks: One CEO's Quest yeah. for Meaning. Yeah, I want you to
1: come back and talk about that because I'm. We've had Mark Allen, who's uh, started uh, what kind of spiritual uh, entrepreneurship and in business, um, and has a uh, what do you call it a publishing company, right? Right. So i So I'm kind of interested. Well, I think that blending that spirituality is so important, or the spiritual practice or principles. Um, in business to make it more fulfilling, um, a lot of people don't do that, but I think that that's kind of where we're where we're going. Well, to me,
0: a lot of the big mistake, and this is a lot of the theme of Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, um, is that we should get back to later. We can talk about why I started going to the monastery in the first place, which was by which was an epiphany at some point. Anyway. Okay. Um, is that they think there's a contract, a conflict between doing right and making money. And the monks are fabulously successful in business. And the way business secrets came about is I was just sitting around, um, and I don't know why I started doing it because I'm a former, I, I was a businessman. And I said, hey, why are these guys so successful in business? They don't care about business. I don't think they can spell the word. They only work four hours a day they're all 65 years old or older they work at very wow. mundane things like they, they sell eggs and they sell mushrooms they keep silent um and yet everything they touch turns to gold so what mm. is the secret to their success and so I ended up writing this um what I thought was a white paper someone sent it to Forbes and a friend, I gave it to some friends somebody sent it to Forbes, Forbes called them up and said hey can we make this on a four-part article? I said, yes. Then it went viral. Then Columbia Business School called me and said, would you like to turn it into a book? So I didn't even have an agent, you know, this all, wow. Love that. but the secret to the, the success is it is in your own self-interest to forget your self-interest. The more successfully you forget your selfish motivations, the more successful in business you become. And people think that's mm-hmm. really crazy stuff. And I said, no. What is the job of a leader? What's your most important? Most people make the mistake of they want to be a leader so they can make more money and get ahead for selfish reasons. And and when they become a leader or a manager, they're thinking, how can I get ahead? How can I suck up to the boss? The job of a leader, the more you forget about yourself, forget about your own promotions, and fanatically focus on getting other people promoted, the job of a leader is to get other people promoted, to get other people raises. To see other people maximize their potential, the more you do that, the faster mm. you get promoted. You know, I came mm. up in sales I was a good enough salesman, and I was on on the cover of Selling Magazine one time. And and what I learned in sales is the more I forgot about myself, about my commission, forgot about my product, forgot about my quota, and instead fanatically focused on my customer and making my customer happy, the more sales I made. Wow. So, all, so in, 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 I was an entrepreneur, and I can tell you from experience that the more I forgot about my profit of my own company and fanatically focused on helping my customers make more money, the more profit I made. Uh-huh. Uh, everything we want in life or think we want in life um, are the trailing indicators, so the byproducts of living your life for a higher meaning and purpose. And um, they're they're not the goal; They're just a byproduct. Everything that I have accomplished from winning the $100,000 Templeton Prize to becoming an author after I sold companies and worked at MTV, and all of it, all of it is a byproduct. And I call it happy Mm -hmm. accidents. You know, the happy accidents Mm -hmm. that happen to you. It's a byproduct of my spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And right now we're living in a very, very dark time. You know you know CDC just came out and said 57 percent of young teenage girls report being constantly sad 30 Mm percent say they're considered suicide 40 percent of incoming freshmen even at elite universities are now on antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication you know tons of young men boys or are, are, are they call it failure to launch. They're living in their parents' basement until they're forty, yeah. smoking pot, what, smoking pot, watching, watching porn, um, you know, playing video games.
1: Video you games. You I could go on. Yeah. We got
0: the, we got a suicide epidemic. And there were no, there were no high school suicide helplines when I was in high school. Believe you. Yeah. Um, and and uh, so so what is going on? You know, and Andrew. Sullivan, writing for New York Magazine, I think, put it best, and I put this in the introduction of my book. He, America, he said, if you think this is a, a, the, the opioid epidemic, he wrote a wonderful article called The, uh, the Poison We Pick, and he said, if you think the opioid epidemic is a drug problem, he said, you're missing something with despair that makes so many people want to fly away. He said, America uh, invented modern life. Now millions of people are taking heroin to get away from it. He said, we're living Mm -hmm. in a strange new world where everything is flat, where communication is virtual, and those core elements of human happiness, faith, family, community, seem to elude so many. And he calls it a spiritual crisis. He goes on to say, until we reinvent our our religion or find a new religion, find some higher meaning, he said, I'm afraid the poppy's going to keep flourishing. And I keep saying this, all these individual crises that are, you know, nobody wants to get married anymore. Nobody's having children anymore. And when people are not having children, I think that's a failure of belief in the future. Is all these yeah. things are just symptoms of a spiritual crisis that people don't have. A good friend of mine, 15-year-old daughter, beautiful girl named Lily, she gets a telephone call that the Suicide Helpline. Somebody called the Suicide Helpline and told her that Lily's suicidal. She goes to her daughter and says, this is true? Mm. Lily says, yes. And she says, why, Lily? And Lily says, what's there to live for?
1: Yeah.
0: What's it look?
1: I, I could. Yeah, I. I. Yeah, I. I. I look at this quite a bit. I mean, I think it's definitely spiritual, and but different prongs to that. Um, having worked in school, being a teacher, I was a model, successful model, an actor, and I. I saw I did. I saw the pitfalls. I always had a spiritual connection, so things didn't bother me, you know, as much. Of not getting a certain job or this or that but the people that didn't have that inner connection whether you want to call it their art uh, music another way of expressing themselves and feeling that inner connection to something more to God or their inner knowing whatever you want to call it didn't fare well and then I'll tell you no. uh, Tarek, I saw some well combination of things the not Taking, um, you know, creativity and art, now history, but creativity and art out of school definitely, you know, handicaps children from expressing what they need to express, whether creatively or just, you know, working through issues in a way that they're doing through it, their subconscious coming out where they're not having to, you know, consciously process because, you know, Children don't do that as, as well, and, and some adults don't. that. But I saw a turning point in the mid-'90s. I had a show called Fashion and Beauty. And we went in this well-known department store to do interviews about trends in junior fashion. And we were in the department, and I said to the, uh, the person that was organizing it, I said, oh, we're going to do it in the – stock room or the warehouse and she said what do you mean i said oh well aren't we going to do it on the floor because we're highlighting different you know parts of the store and she said no this is the junior department and i said oh we're not in the ware. the reason i had asked that was i noticed the clothing racks there was rows and rows of the same shirt or same top or same like 40 or 50 and when I was growing up, you wanted something that was individual. If everybody was wearing it, you didn't want it. You wanted to be more artistic and individual. That's kind of you know, how I grew up. And she said, oh, no, oh, no. I said, well, why, do you have, I go, why don't you just have one or two or five items? And she said, the kids won't buy it. She said, they come in, say, if they don't see a lot of the same thing being sold, and she goes, "Or oh, they'll look online and go, is every or, You know, they come in, is everybody wearing this? And I've seen this since. I've kind of did another little poll on this over the years and have heard the same thing. If everybody's not doing it or everybody's not wearing it, we don't want it. And we have to see that there's a lot to confirm that this is okay, this is the end thing, this is what I need to wear or do. And you can see this across the board. And what that means, there's no interconnection to so that becomes very scary when that's constantly changing, right?
0: Yeah, and I think, but, I, I, but I think that the, the whole idea of fitting in and being part of the in-crowd rather than the out-crowd, you know, I think has been an adolescent issue since adolescence was, was invented. And I'm not saying that you're not, you're not putting your finger on something. I, I worked with college students from 1988 on, you know, on three different college campuses through the early two thousands. And these were classes that were not about instruction. I didn't, didn't, we didn't read books. I, I gave kids an opportunity to really get down and dirty, you know, about what was really. And I, and I saw, and to me, the three things, well, you know, I'll even start with, uh, um, with Dean Williman, who was my campus advisor at Duke university. And he was the Dean of the Duke chapel over it. And he gave a talk. He told me he gave this talk to all the freshman parents. And one of the uh, parents put up her hand and said, "What is the biggest single problem you face with our children?" And He said, "Your
1: divorces." Mm. Yeah, and, well, that sets people uh, on. And believe me, but there's I, a difference saw, in wanting to fit in and having anxiety of, you know, there, there's there's yeah. ranges to that. When you lose yourself, and I, saw, and,
0: I and I I saw right? these kids. I saw kids that were. They could speak three languages and play the violin like a, you know, and have been all over the world and stuff and crying like babies over, over their parents' divorces. The other thing is getting into sex way too young. Um, yeah. and the third thing is a lack is a lack of God that they weren't, they weren't yeah. brought up with any kind of religion or any kind of, you know, Carl Jung said, See, I
1: think well, that's the main, honestly, because all those, those other things change. Right over time, you know, if, but if you don't have that inner connection, that's why I'm saying it's a it's a pronged, you know, multi-pronged.
0: Yeah, but I think there's also been a like challenge. This, I think you're absolutely right, but I think there's these things like divorce is a very more, is a very recent phenomenon. I mean, um, you go to you know our suicide rate, for example, is off the Richter scale, and nobody yeah. kills themselves in Bangladesh, Bangladesh, and they're living on a dollar a day. Um, you know, but they have a very strong family structure and they have a very strong religious structure, um, really, yeah. in, 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 ba- in Bangladesh, you know? Um, and so, so where two can things people really start difficult.
1: now that are listening to this? August oh, that,
0: well, I think the, I, I think the first thing that you have to, you have to do is back in the 1960s, we used to talk about, go through the, the classic agonize and reappraisal. <laughs> Which oh, means you okay. really sit down. You sit down with yourself and you ask yourself the hard questions. You know, there was a a guy in New York Times. He was talking about the he was he's interviewed because the New York Times had an article about Mepkin Abbey, the monks where I where I go. And he said, mm-hmm. yeah. And everybody else that was interviewed said it's so peaceful and it's quiet, and it's calm and everything. And he said, yeah, it's peaceful and it's 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 very loving and all that stuff. He said, but let me tell you something. When you've got nothing better to do than sit on a park bench overlooking the Cooper River. For hours on end you start thinking about a lot of things you might rather not think about so first and foremost you've got to think about those things that you'd rather not think about is your life working are you where you really want to be are you the person that you really want to be do you have the answers to the to the to the, to the deep-seated questions that are that, that nag at us as human beings um so where are you so you do you do a personal evaluation or an assessment um and then the, the second uh, point, which I think most of us, when we do that assessment, we know we're not where we need to be. We don't. We're not living the life we'd like to li- be, be living. We're not the person we would like to be. Um, if the answer comes back yes, then just crack a beer and have <laughs> and go on your way. But if okay. the answer is no, then then you start saying, okay, now what am I going to do about it? And when I and when I find that, uh, that that I did during my spiritual path, my book is dedicated to my parents. Who were both yeah. teachers, who drilled into me. My dad was the was a child of of, of immigrants who came to this country penniless, and um, who didn't have much education. But they drilled into my father a value of education. He drilled into his his eight children, and I said, and what that drilled into me was I went looking for teachers. If you are on a, if you think you're on a spiritual path and you don't have a mentor or a teacher or a guru then you're as bad as the doctor who prescribes for himself. And the old adage is the yep. doctor who prescribes for himself as a fool for a patient, the person who is, who is on a spiritual path all alone as a, you know, as a guru with a fool for a, for a devotee, um, you've got to get agree. yourself a teacher. Um, and then the next thing that you have to have is a community. You can't do this work alone. The number one obstacle is you get is you get lazy, you fo- you get distracted, you fall off the path. The same thing. What would you do if you looked in the mirror and you were two hundred you were forty pounds overweight? What would you do? Well, first of all you would you, if you were smart, you'd start going to the gym. And but you would start going with you'd get other people to go with you because they'll call you up when you don't feel like going. And they'll say, Don't tell us you don't feel like going, we're picking you up. You're going to the gym with us. Yeah. And um so having the people it,
1: around you that are reinforcing the what's right life-enhancing in your spirit, yeah, the right kind of thing, yeah. Okay.
0: It's exactly, because because as as Father Francis used to tell us down at the monastery, he said he was talking about Christianity specifically, but I would say it about spirituality generally. He said, "There's something countercultural about a spiritual life. You're going against the grain." You're inundated with people who are saying that, you know, whatever problem can't be solved with money can always be solved with more money. Just throw money at it. You need money, 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 money. It's a materialistic culture. It's a radically individualistic culture that devalues community and all the things it's, it's a culture that really doesn't, you know, that doesn't believe that uh, and more and more uh, the churches are going empty that we don't believe in religion and spirituality anymore. So, you're fighting against um these 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 trends you know and um and so you need the reinforcement of other people to convince you that you know when you feel like you're you know oh, i called it arguments with the world that i was spending all my spend a lot of my energy on my past having an argument with the world you know the world was always saying why don't you give up on this quest if you were going to reach enlightenment you would have reached it already you know this is a you're drilling a dry hole you just don't have what it takes you know why don't you just get married and rest in the bosom of your family, and then I'd come back and say, no, no, you know, that's just that's just rationalization, you're just trying to get off the spiritual hook, you know, um, you're having this constant argument, and you need other people to help you be a bulwark, or you will succumb, and you'll say, no, you know, I might as well just throw in the towel and get drunk, um, you know, um, so you need a community, and the only thing that's been disappointing, and I have to, you know, be very, very careful, I'm really not disappointed in Business Secrets of Travis was my first book It is sold extremely well. It's been translated into a bunch of, of, of other languages I still get great fan mail. But in the last right. chapter of that book, I pounded on the table and I said, everything and nothing in this book is going to do you any good. Just reading about it. You need to ask. Yeah. You need to get a you need to get a community of people together and put these ideas into practice. And I have never yet had anybody write to say, I read that, how, how can I get a community started? How can I, you know, um, we, we love the idea of community. You know, as I mentioned earlier, that you know, everybody wants to save the world. Nobody wants to help mom with the dishes. Everybody likes the idea of community, but nobody likes the responsibility of, of organizing and nobody likes the commitment that you have to make. That if you have meetings on Friday night, you've got to go to the darn meeting. Even if your favorite yeah. movie's on TV. <laughs> yeah.
1: We want yeah. the we, you want, the be- go. You
0: we put want the, the
3: end-
0: ben- we don't we want the benefits of community without the sacrifices the community requires. And that would be the third way of answering your question. i I've talked about having it doing a self evaluation. Number two, teach your community. And number three, pull up your belt and be willing to make the sacrifices. Because spirituality mm. is not yeah. a technique. It's not a technique. It's not a prayer. It's not a meditation. It's not a weekly yoga class. It's a way of life.
1: Life, you yeah. Know,
0: old, I, I asked you know, my Zen teacher said, it's not the prayer you say, it's the prayer you live. Mm.
1: Oh, you I like this? that.
0: Yeah. He, he, said, he said, are you living? He said, it's all about living the life. And he spent a lot of time talking about how do you live, and I asked a lot of questions. And it's in my, not less than everything, I'm back punching my book again, but not less than everything, I talk a lot about that. Because I would ask him, what do you mean by, how, do, how does one live the life? You know, and what he would, first thing he would say is, your spiritual life's got to be your number one priority. When something, a conflict mm-hmm. comes up between something you consider to be spiritual and anything else, the spiritual thing gets. You make the tough decision to do the spiritual thing. I'll tell you a quick story from my business life about that. When I first started, I got an invitation to give a lecture at uh, North Carolina State University, and I, I gave a lecture called Five Years with a Zen Master, which was about my experiences with this West Virginia Richard Rose guy I mentioned. The kids loved it, and four of them came up, though, and said, listen, we like you so much, could you mentor us? And I mm-hmm. said, okay, I said, just start a student club. That'll get you a room on campus, and then I'll come over on Thursday nights, and I'll mentor, you know, and I'll facilitate. No sooner mm-hmm. did I do that than I get a telephone call from an old colleague of mine from New York, and he says, guess what, Augie? I've got I'm the CEO, and I've got $150 million to take United Press International out of, out of bankruptcy and turn the company around. He said, it's going to be so much fun. He said, I'm putting the the gang back together. And he started rattling off all these friends of mine that that were coming on board. And he said, I want you to be my number two. He said, and I'm going to pay you this obscene amount of money. And you're going to have limousines and big cigars and motor cars and everything you want. The only thing is you've got to move to Washington, D.C. And I said, Joe, I can't Mm -hmm. move to Washington, D.C. And he said, why? I said, I just promised these four college freshmen that I will meet with them on a Thursday night's. And he said, what the, man, What are you talking about? He said, we've got all these universities up here. If you want to, whatever it is you're doing, it's North Carolina State. You can do it at Georgetown. And I said, mm-hmm. well, why don't you just move UPI down to Raleigh? And he, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. And he said, I, he said, my wife, Molly would never go for that. And I said, oh, there's lots of women down here, Joe. If my college students are interchangeable, <laughs> why not your wife? <laughs> Raleigh, Molly would be 16. <laughs> Molly was a, Molly was a good friend of mine. I knew her very well too. Okay, laugh.
1: yeah, I know well, you're joking.
0: So, so, so um that that was the end of my career. The word got out, and that people told me I got feedback. You know, you're a you're religious fanatic. You're, you're the best. Somebody, this is a direct quote. I, I got a job offer. I turned it down because I'd had to move to Colorado. I called the guy who recommended a big shot in New York. And I said, John, I'm sorry. You know, thanks for recommending me, but I couldn't take the job. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. I covered my butt. I told him you're the best at what you do, but you're some kind of religious nut. And that was the that was the end of my that was the end of my career. I I ended up that was the end of my corporate career. I shot a – I put a bullet in the head of my corporate career for four snot nosed college kids. Why? Because I had made a spiritual promise to them to help them spiritually, and that came before taking a $500,000 job, yeah. you know, and, um, and then it all worked out because UPI went bankrupt again, and as a result, I became an entrepreneur with a $2,500 initial investment, and seven years later, we had two software companies that we sold for millions of dollars to an Israeli company. So <clears throat> everything mm-hmm. worked out for me, um, but, but, under, you know, but believe me, you're talking about fear or about what do you call it, wavering, Believe me, when Mm -hmm. I hung up that phone and turned that job for UPI up, I wasn't just you know at peace. I was thinking, what in the hell are you thinking? Mm
3: -hmm. You know
0: this, you know, you know, know, for prior prior experience, these four kids will, will listen to your stories for the first three weeks, and after that, they'll be gone. But no. Um, and, they, and, they, and it spread from uh, North Carolina State to, to University of North Carolina to Duke University. And then it was my college students that, at Duke that browbeat me into writing the essay that won the Templeton Prize that launched my writing career. And by the way, it was one of my um, students who called me from Mepkin Abbey, where he was spending the entire summer as a guest at Mepkin Abbey, as, a, as what they call a monastic guest. And that's how I ended up hearing about um the Metcan and the Trappist Monks the first time. I owe so much to my college students. And the whole time I was mentoring these college students, by the way, I can't tell you how many people. What are you doing? Lucky? You're trying to run two companies, you know, that's killing you anyway as an entrepreneur, <clears throat> and you drive 40 miles three times a week to mentor these college students, and you're not even on the faculty. You don't get paid. They don't even treat you respectfully half the time. You're <laughs> and the best thing i the best thing I ever did was go over and work with those college kids, but you have to you have to go against the grain you have to be willing to do yeah. um to not do the safe bet the class and the thing that everybody else is doing um and um so um I, it tur- it worked out for me tremendously. It even worked out again for me because in 2009, some of my Duke students had started a company in um, in New York City, and they called me up, and I flew up there, and they said, listen, we need you to help us get things organized, but we don't have any money. We're just starting out. And I said, oh, forget about it. I said, just give me some, pay my expenses and give me some stock. And I worked for them for four months, and they sent me home with a big wad of stock that I thought would, you know, typically this will end up being worthless, right? And then five, months, five years later, they go public for $28 a share at $1.2 billion valuation. I made a couple million dollars for four months' work.
1: <laughs>
0: you are ten, in because, alignment,
1: ten, August. You are in alignment. Because ten,
0: year, because 10 years earlier, I was volunteering, going over there night, week after week, night after night, working with college kids on a completely volunteer basis, driving all the way to Durham and back, you know, after all, working 12 hours that day. This is um, the way everything, seek first the kingdom of heaven and let everything else take care of itself. Easy to say, extremely hard to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Easier when you have the on the path that can help, that, that can support you in that when we... Want to waver, which it, we will, and which we do.
0: Yeah, that's why you, need, you uh, need to form that community. You need to form that community when you don't need them. Because, yeah, exactly. You know, when community when you, and mentoring. I'm looking, a
1: yeah. I'm a big like proponent they, like of teachers, my, mentors, good mentors.
0: Like my dad used to say, you know, You don't go looking for friends when you need them. You make friends long before you need them, and maybe you'll never need them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know you. you you know, the nothing I, that irritates me more is when I hear from somebody that I haven't heard from for 20 years, hey, old pal, how are you doing? By the way, can, yeah. you, can I borrow 5000 Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Hey, oh, that time my we gosh. Got, remember that time we got drunk in area time we got drunk? Yeah, hey. By the way, can I borrow $5,000? Yeah, right, right. Exactly.
1: Memory lane. <laughs> yep. And then there's yeah, the ask yeah. there, right? Oh, my gosh.
3: Yeah, well, uh, August, this has it.
1: been great. Um, we're winding out of time I really now. Again, it. I did too. This is, and I love what you were saying about you know really about traveling the path and what comes up because I I see, and maybe in our closing, you can touch on this really quickly. But there, life does get challenging or tough, or there's tragedy, there's difficult times, and it, it seems like in the the Newer spirituality, you know, however we want to put that, that part is taken out, and is almost right. the shadow material looked at as something's wrong. You know, there's something wrong with you. You're not doing it right, rather than how to persevere. You know, what are the tools? What, what using your practice, your spiritual practice. Uh, so I think what you're saying is, you know, just really invaluable.
0: Boy, you're 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 absolutely. Uh, ringing my all my bells you know I, it, that absolutely you know my my first spiritual teacher this richard rose the zen master you know, people are always expecting him to give some koan to them or some special technique for meditating yeah. stand on your head and say this you know a, a mantra or something you know and he was always talking at the level of principles he would say the most important thing you can have on a spiritual life is commitment you got to make a mm. commitment and he said, because mm-hmm. the biggest problem is forgetfulness. He said, you get distracted, and he says, the next thing you know, um, you know, you wake up and get interested in spirituality, but then you get distracted, you fall back asleep again. And 20 years goes yeah. by, like Rip Van Winkle, he said, you wake up again, but this time you wake up screaming. He said, so you have mm-hmm. to make a commitment. And I said to him, um, how, do you, how do you make this commitment? And he said, well, I'll tell you. He said, he said you need spiritual stones in your shoe that keep you from, from, from uh, forgetting and he said every religion on the face of the world world has a same name for these stones you put in your they're called sacrifices he said the mm. more you, um, the more you sacrifice the more committed you become and the more committed you become the more easy it is to sacrifice anybody who is who has been on a diet in their life knows that after you've lost 20 pounds or so it's a lot easier to to not eat that potato chip It's those first days when you're just getting, you know, the, when you're sacrificing the potato chips or the hamburger that you want to eat this, the hard time, same with the gym. It's in the beginning, you know, you have to, you make the sacrifice, you make the commitment to go to the gym and it's really, really hard in the beginning, but the more, you know, and then all of a sudden, three months into it or six months into it, rather than working out for 30 minutes, you're working out for 45 minutes. it becomes easier to make the commitment to go even further, to go further, to go further. So commitment it ends up being a virtuous um, circle, cycle, or circle, <clears throat> and so. <clears throat> but this again, going back to just what you said, I'm just echoing another word what you said. You know, when you talk about the hero's journey, what everybody wants to skip is the desert stage of the hero's journey. Yeah.
3: The,
0: the formation stage, the training stage, the the the, the forty years that the Isra- the Israelites spent wandering in the desert. Wondering where their next meal was coming from, we 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 don't want to suffer, we don't want to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. We've been schooled in our society now; everything is instant gratification, and we're all pretty rich and, and you know even more than more than just psychologically fat, most of us are intellectually are, are physically fat, and so we don't, when somebody starts talking about the sacrifices we have to make, and that's why I, I get a little angry sometimes because there's or I consider. Um, you know, some of the stuff, and I won't mention anybody by name or movements by age, try to make everything simple, you know, just say this little mantra or just do this and just yeah. have this thought, have this positive thought, and, you know, you don't have to change anything in your life. You know, Nietzsche himself said, you know, you have to go through the hour of one's own great self-contempt, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, this by, my Zen teacher, Richard Rose, he was a very down to earth to put it lightly and again i want to mention my book not less than everything there's a great portrait of him and me working with him but he said he said you know sometimes he said i think the greatest uh. motivation for a spiritual life there is is just getting tired of the bs and deciding to do something about it Mm. and the most that the the the, the biggest and the biggest bs is when you look in the mirror and you get tired of your own you get tired of your own. I asked a psychologist one time who I was working with during a very difficult, difficult in which the second part of my book is all about my dark night of the soul. I broke my ankle skydiving, went into this terrible depression, uh, two years of dark night of the soul, which ends up, by the way, with a cataclysmic spiritual experience. And after suffering this depression all my adult life, I haven't had a moment of depression in 25 years now after the spiritual experience I had. Um, but I asked the psychologist that I was working with this time. I said, "David, why does it have to be so hard?" And he was filling out my credit card form, but he didn't even look at me. He said, "Because we insist on playing our games until the pain becomes so great we can't take it anymore." And um, this is <laughs> a- absolutely the truth. We insist on playing our stupid, silly games until the pain becomes so great we can't take it anymore. And the ironic thing is that as a result of that, if you have a really, really good teacher, in my humble opinion, his job is to increase that pain so that you'll Mm -hmm. get surrender sooner. (laughs) His job yeah. is not to not to not to put salve on. You say, oh whatever, just say this mantra and get joy, and peace, no, oh, everything's wonderful and everything's great with you, and me. And by the way, write me a check on your way out. No.
3: Yeah. His
0: job is to, his job is to point to you and say, listen, you're not living the right. Here's here's the contradiction. You say you love people, but then, and then just like you said earlier, you say you love people on Sundays, but then you go out and cheat them on Tuesdays. What's what's how, what's that all about? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm. Uh, explain yourself, you know. Yeah, um, but when we get a good, it all we get boils down teacher,
1: to that self inquiry you were talking about. It really does, and right? having the courage.
0: Absolutely, the absolutely. Self
1: inquiry. Yeah.
0: If we like have time, that. I'd like to tell you one more real quick story. And that was when I was down at the monastery, and I and I was hanging and I was mowing the lawn one day, and this brother, who's now passed away, came out to bring me some water, and um, Brother William. And I didn't even. And I, I loved the man, but I didn't know that much about him. Anyway, we sat for a while under the shade. and He told me about about going out into the woods like 20 years earlier. He had built a, what they call as a hermitage. He lived as a hermit for two years in the woods. And he told, and I so I was really fascinated. So I asked him questions about where he got his food and blah 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 all these kinds of things, you know. Finally, I screwed up my courage and I said, "Brother William." Did you get anything out of it? And I expect them to say, yeah, on Thursday, the Virgin Mary showed up and and, and told me I was going to heaven or something. You know, I didn't know what I was expecting. And he just gradually just, his hands were on it, his knees were on, elbows were on his knees, and he looked over at me and he said, I had to face myself. And I can't tell my the hair, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. He didn't say another word. We sat there together for the next 15 minutes in silence. And to me, that was one of the most flattering things anybody's ever done because he must have thought that I would understand that there was no yeah. other elaboration. There didn't need to be any elaboration. There didn't need to be any more than that. He didn't have to explain what he meant. And we just sat there, you know, like yeah. the spirit was in the air between us. I mean, that is the whole thing. That, that's all there is. You have to face yourself. Yeah. And it's so a lot work. vulnerable
1: and strong, right, for him to say that. Ex- I mean, wow, very wow, powerful. Wow,
0: that's, that's, that's such a perfect way to put it. That's such a per- by the way, consider that stolen. The next time I tell that story. Yeah, <laughs> that please. Vulnerable oh. and strong. Vulnerable yeah. and strong.
1: Because, I mean, for him, you were looking up to him, for him to be that vulnerable, but, str- but not apologetic, doesn't have to go into story, trust that you understood. I mean, wow, that's pretty right. amazing. you know,
0: I had to face myself. Mm-hmm. And it's a very scary thing. I had to go through it myself, and it's a very frightening thing to have to do. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and that's why you have to really – Um, you know, um, you know, I, when I finally had my spiritual experience and all the depression went away and I spent, took me a year to recover from it and I was overcome with gratitude and I was having these exaltations or ecstasy experience. Anyway, so I went back to that same psychologist to help me process the experience. And one day I was weeping in his office, but I was weeping from gratitude. And I said, David, I said, "Uh, uh, there's nothing I could have done to deserve what God gave me. Um, I said, it was all grace. It it had to be all grace. Nobody could earn what God gave me, you know. Mm
3: -hmm. And he
0: looked at me after a moment. He said, yes, it is all grace. But you asked for it. You spent your entire life asking for it. He said, what happened to you is not what happens typically to to an ordinary person on their way to the grocery store for a quart of milk. And I only have one uh, thing. Mm -hmm. If you want cosmic consciousness you want enlightenment or nirvana or samadhi or whatever you want to call it um then you just got to ask for it and you got mm-hmm. your life has got to become one great you know uh, asking for it make your life that prayer and that's the yeah uh, and, and it will it will be answered it will be answered but you got to want it more than anything else there's that old zen story with a then the student asks, this, this. I love this story, the Zen master, you know, to, to tell him what he had to do to reach enlightenment. And the Zen master walks, quietly walks him out into the middle of the stream. And when they get out in the middle of the stream, mm-hmm. the master grabs the kid by the head and holds his head underwater for a full minute. And finally he lets the kid up and he's coughing and gasping for air. And he says, when you want the truth the way you wanted air just a moment ago, you'll get it instantly.
3: You, know, you got to. Yes.
0: You got to want it yeah. more than anything else, without any reservations. And what you learn as you study yourself in this introspection that we're talking about is all that you're hedging all the time. Kind of like some uh, the story from St. Augustine in the Confessions, where he says he was as he became converted, as he was gradually being converted, he was a big ladies' man, and he kept praying to God, God make me celibate, but not yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. God, God, oh, yeah, August, this a, is the God give, give 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 me enlightenment. Yeah, but, but not yet. Let me it. tell
1: you when I'm i de- I'm ready. Yeah, let me tell you when, exactly. get, when I'm ready. You Right, yeah.
3: Right, yeah. Let me happy.
1: just one more thing. One more cookie. Yeah, just one, for you. Oh, one more. Oh, August. Okay, <laughs> one more cookie, then I start my diet, right? right? <laughs> Right, right. Oh, this has been very inspiring and a lot of good, not just insight, but I think practical things that people can bring to their spiritual uh, practice. Um, again, just to wrap it up, where people can find you, and then the book on Amazon. Uh, I'm sure some people have already gotten it. Not less than everything, One Man's Quest for Spiritual Enlightenment. People can go to Amazon, uh, get the hard copy, or you yeah. can get the... Uh, electronic or Kindle um, also. Right.
0: Yeah, the Kindle version cents. is right now for a very limited time. It's 99 cents next several weeks. Okay, cool. Weeks yet, 99 cents. And the um, hard copy uh, is twenty nine ninety nine. But if you come to my website to learn more about me than you probably care to know, is at com. That's August, just like the month. Turek, T is in Tom, U R A K. That's one word. augustdirect.com, dot com. You can also find the physical copy of Not Less Than Everything for fifty percent off. We're selling it for fifteen dollars on my website oh, right great. now as a special special offer.
3: Okay, very cool. And of cool. course,
0: you can learn all about my other book, Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks and Brother John, and and find my articles Thanks. on Forbes and all kinds of other stuff on my website.
1: People can do a deep dive. They go to your site. Well, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks for taking time out of your life to share with us. We really appreciate it. All
0: right. I'd love I'd love I'd love to come back because I tell you what, I do a lot of this kind of stuff and you have asked great questions and you have made wonderful Wonderful comments, and I mean that from Oh, my,
1: from my,
0: my thank you, way,
1: thank you very much. Yeah, well, I've been I've been absorbing a lot you've of things. You've you been down saying. the
0: road. You know, you know your stuff.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been down the road. And listen, I always tell people, look, if it was a pill or I had already done it, everybody, <laughs> there's no magic exactly. pill or potion or mantra or affirmation. There is persistent effort involved. There is practice.
0: Absolutely, there's
1: work. All right, Agnes, you take good care. So God
0: bless. Thank you. God bless. And God I'd bless love you I hope too. to come back sometime. I hope I Oh, I'd no, love I'd to. Love to.
1: love to have you back on. Just let us know anytime. Take care. All right.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: All right, Soul lights. Well, I hope you took notes. I would re-listen. A lot of gems in this episode, a lot of confirmations, um, a lot of synchronicities, and a lot of good information. You know, you're hearing if a lot of people when they come on, they're saying the same thing, that introspection, that self-inquiry is so, so important. Um, also, any questions, comments, guest suggestions, topic suggestions, please email awakeningspodcast at gmail.com. I'd love if you would subscribe and get the notifications to Soul Insights and in Tarot um, on YouTube and also Awakenings with Michelle Mache podcast on YouTube. Um, Would love that, love that. Also, Patreon. If you want to do the mentoring, that's why I have these groups. That's why I do this for as many years, helping this community, you know, kind of started it, but it's everyone's community. Everyone's co-creating this um, because I do know the value of community, whether in person or online, um, and this is a community. If you want to dive deeper, you want more assistance, support, understanding of your soul path, your spiritual practice, um, esoteric knowledge, uh, doctrine, discipline, if you will, uh, spiritualism, you know, meditation, spirituality. If that's something that you're wanting consistent help in, Patreon is the way to go and there's affordable tiers there, um, because I do believe in group. I do believe in mentoring and teaching. I'm where I am because I've had really good teachers in all aspects of my life, and whether through the counseling aspect, holistic health, my meditation teachers, my spirituality teachers, my metaphysical teachers, my hypnotherapy teachers, astrology teach all of them. We are, you know, I think we can only be as, not just as really good, but as, well, prolific and is, and is helpful in our service as the teachers that we have. So I always, a lot of you hear me always saying, oh, this teacher said this or this teacher said that or Dr. Hahn or Beverly Martin or whomever it is. It's because I've had good teachers. Anyway, I wish you all a beautiful day, beautiful week. I hope to see all of you, connect all of, with all of you next Wednesday. If you happen to be new to the podcast, we're here every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific, uh, Pacific Time. Uh, call a number, 347-539-5122. Uh, keep that for your reference. There's information in the podcast uh, episode description box uh, as to how to reach me or information about the guest, information about the podcast, and, as always, continue to shine your light, share your insights, and, of course, keep awake. I'm
3: getting woke,
1: and Awakenings broadcasts every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Archive shows available on iTunes. For continued awakened conversations and insights, join the Awakenings group on Facebook, And check out Michelle's blog at soulplayground.com and keep awake.